Halloween finds water. James Franco and Seth Rogen board the Pineapple Express and beware of the blob. This week on 302010. Yo, 302010 listeners. That's a tease. Welcome to 302010, uh, <laughs> your weekly look back in time 30, 20, and 10 years ago. We'll be looking at the land of 1988, 1998, and 2008 in the week of August 3rd through the August 9th. What were you up to? Think about it real quick, because we're going to tell you all the things that came out, and we'll probably bring it all roaring back. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with us? Sisterhood of the Traveling Diana Goodman. <laughs> it's me, Sarah, where everything's made up and the points don't matter. And as a little tease for something we'll be talking about later on, just because I have the sound effect. Power up. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, but this week, not as exciting. Uh, last week was amazing. The next week will be amazing. And But there's one truly classic film released in this time period. But it is also a more interesting week for television. Mm-hmm. Not, to- not totally idiotic and some really, really great and seminal games that deserve being shouted out. Cool. So please, people, stick around. Beginning as we always do in 1988, Diana threw this in the news. I had it in television. Can you guess okay. why, Diana? Well, because it's about sports. And I don't know ever, I never figure out where to put sports. Like, okay, if the World Series is going on, I'll put it under TV. But the idea <laughs> that August 9th, 1988, Wrigley Field had its first night game ever. It had its first. And why is that, Diana? Do you know why? Why is it news? Why, why is it their first night game ever? I had because... to do. I accidentally fell ass backwards into this research hmm. because Wrigley Field before 1988 had no lights. They'd been trying to put lights in the stadium for about a decade, but there mm-hmm. was all these ordinances, light pollution. They were not allowed. Wow! And, right. Well, and, the thing's built in 1914, yeah. so yes. you'd think somewhere in the intervening years they would have done something but then i guess if you wait too long now it's historical and it is sort of like in the middle of the city mm-hmm. look so... all that gum money is not going to buy you lights in a very timely fashion so as a result and again i know sports people are going to jump all over me as a result i put this in tv because this was the first time a game at wrigley field could be broadcast in prime time oh. before that oh. it was impossible because there were no night games because there were no fucking lights but can you imagine that like if you didn't live in chicago more people saw a televised game at Wrigley Field than ever before. Uh-huh. And they were talking, like, even when they were, like, close to World Series, like, if the Cubs win, we have to move them to another location because we can't broadcast the game from Wrigley Field at night. That just wow. seems nuts. It was only 30 years ago that Wrigley Field was way in the past. But, yeah, now we don't have to talk about it on TV. Thanks, Nye. There's a much, uh, much better show to talk about. But as for the movies of 1988, August 3rd to the 9th, Cocktail, number one at the box office once again. Tom Cruise <laughs> killing it across decades. Oh, my God. Tom Cruise can do no, can do no wrong, apparently, in any decade he's in. Oh, yeah. He's oh. coming up more this year, too. Like, it's, ver- it's a real year of the Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, my God, the movies in here are notable, but terrible. Mm. Um, I, <laughs> I've always wanted to see this again. Because uh, I'm on the verge of revisiting all the Friday the 13th movies, and I totally forgot. Most people forget it has a scary movie parody from 1988. <laughs> uh, that is Saturday the 14th. Is this the sequel? This is the sequel. Oh, my God. Yeah. You didn't call it Sunday the 15th. That's too confusing. So <laughs> Saturday the 14th strikes back. Saturday the 14th strikes back. The, the second parody of Friday the 13th. Wow. Eddie Baxter is a normal teenager. What? living in a typical American house with his kind and loving family. But now things are getting strange. 
perhaps there's a problem in the basement. That's Saturday the 14th strikes back. I can't see myself. You. Ooh, ooh, these movies. Uh, this is the, huh. man, the, the first one is renowned for how terrible it is. And do you know, did they strive for an R rating or were they making this kid friendly? I could find very little about the actual making of this. I mean, the biggest <laughs> star is Ray Walston, who I love Ray Walston. He, that's Mr. Hand from uh, Fast Times at Richmond High. But I don't feel like anyone gave a shit. <laughs> I mean, why should you? I mean, people were barely giving a shit about the source material at this point. Friday the Thirteenth yeah. was in the in decline. This looks like a fun movie, though, to put in the back on in the background of your Halloween party. <laughs> I think it's like right. what this movie is perfect for. All right, all right. Get some good, get some good uh, Monster Mash remixes yeah. and sync it up with this video. I like it. I like yeah, it. That's the thing is, it's not about um, like a serial killer or slasher or anything. It's like all these different monsters all live in this house with this family. There's like a mummy and like a ghouly guy and I think <laughs> and, a wolf man. And because we live in a much slower world, I forget that they are releasing Halloween movies already. Like the second week of yeah. August. Yeah, we got a bunch of them. The 80s and 90s will release Halloween movies, which now I think we generally do in mid-September. Right. But uh, this isn't the only one. And uh, the next movie isn't even the only one that stars Kevin Dillon this week. Weird. Oh, but it's got the most 80s ad. I love this Does it? The Rescue with Kevin Dillon and Ned Vaughn. From Touchstone Pictures, it's an impossible mission. Maybe they've ripped my father off, but I haven't. That becomes the adventure of a lifetime. Wait, you mean we go get them? Yeah, that's crazy. I love it. Inside North Korea, five young heroes risk their lives to set their fathers free. Let's go! This is Six Gun. You're not going to believe this. The Rescue. Rated PG. Dude, this is like a Red Dawn pseudo sequel. Jesus. It's Red Dawn meets uh, Rambo First Blood Part (laughs) 2. That's fantastic. I've never heard of it, though. Have you ever seen it? No, I hadn't either. That's Uh, crazy. And that sucks, because the movie I did hear about, man, if you were a little kid obsessed with Comedy Central, pretty much every Saturday they reserved two hours to show the Cindy Lauper, Jeff Goldblum movie vibes, which just <laughs> irritated the shit out of me as a little kid. But that movie is now 30 years old. Like, put your hands on one and what's like it's telepathic. I see a boy. Parts of me are already applauding. I see a girl. You know how hard it is to buy goobers when you're out of your body? A lot of danger. I'm sorry, a woman tried to kill me. I'm surprised all women haven't tried to kill you. Go see vibes. It's, it's gnarly. <laughs> Dude, what the hell? I love 80s trailers. Cindy Lauper promoting, telling you to put your hands on the screen and telepathically telling you about her movie Vibes. And is there a more bizarre on-screen couple in the universe than Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper? I would like to see the numbers on how much cocaine went into (laughs) making the promo is cocaine fueled, I think. Yeah, Cindy Lauper seems like a real unlikely star now, but she was kind of all over the place at this point. Well, yeah, she's so she's so quirky and unusual. unusual. And she's got that angry Betty Boop voice she uses. <laughs> she sounds like my she's, aunt. I'm, actually, I'm way too low for that. It's way up here. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, more shrill. Thanks, Di. You got it. <laughs> but yeah, she's I, adorable. I fucking love Cindy Lauper, but I don't think I want to hear her screeching through a movie about yeah. psychics. Yeah, I'm more than happy. It's uh, like I put she bop on every time I got to get down to business. Yeah. Uh, it's my favorite masturbation song. While you watch vibes. While I watch vibes. No. No. <laughs> it's hard. Honestly, to, I tell I, you what, seeing Jeff Goldblum say parts to... of me are already applauding. Yeah. That gave me a little shiver down my spine. <laughs> oh. I do love Jeff Goldblum. Me too. But the next movie I genuinely love, mm. if you've never seen mm-hmm. it, 
The Blob with Kevin Dillon, Shawnee Smith, and uh, Candy Clark. A generation ago, a classic changed the shape of terror. It's had 30 years to grow bigger, meaner, and faster. Now, through the terrifying vision of the director of Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Blob is back. That's uh, Chuck Russell, Nightmare on Elm Street, Elm Street Nightmare fans. Hey, maybe bring that back via Patreon. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash laser time. You're getting a bonus show this week. Anyway, The Blob. No Steve McQueen. I guess he's been eaten by the blob. <laughs> How young was Steve McQueen when he was in the original blob? He's crazy young. Yeah, but I mean, the blob is, the original blob is very, very silly. It's mm-hmm. like they're trying to be serious, but it's still like a big lump of grape jelly is coming to eat you. But um, this movie, I think, it's is got known. a theme song. Oh, beware of the blob. It's so goofy. He crawls. He crawls. Then, wait, when did the original blob come out? The 50s, 50s, I think. Okay. And, and so here they're like, let's make this serious. Let's make, I mean, it can go anywhere. It can grab anything. I mean, the, the thing where it comes out of the, the sink, I think, is the most famous bit. Yeah. And I, well, I think it left such, I don't want to say scarred, because I haven't seen it as many times as I have the remake, but it, it, it left a lasting impression on the generation in the 50s. Oh, yeah. So I have a feeling like the filmmakers like, let's shoot for that with this remake. Oh, my dad still talks about it. Like, he went to go see it as the original a little blog? kid. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he and his best friend. Uh, went to go see it as little kids. Their parents probably dropped them off of the theater, like, see in a couple hours. And they ran out of the theater in fright. Wow. And my dad still talks about it to this day. Just imagining that cute song in the background. It creeps. It crawls. <laughs> it crawls. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents run from the theater. That, yeah. But this movie is renowned by my generation for being... It, it looks like a kid's movie because it mm-hmm. stars mostly children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it so... When you're flipping through HBO or something, you just sit there and watch it, and it's actually genuinely horrifying. It has some really great practical effects in it, too. Yeah, it's funny because it's like this has made a neat little circle in my life because mm-hmm. Sam loves horror. My husband, Sam, loves horror films and is not... I'm scared of everything. He's mm-hmm. not scared by anything, but he is like, no, the blob is legitimately terrifying. He was like, I'm not going to rewatch it for to help me, like, well, I, you know, uh... in preparation for this. And I was like, well... My father and my husband were both scared of the blobs. I, I hate to spoil it, but it, it pulls a psycho in the mm. movie. It it kills what you think is the main protagonist like halfway through the film. Interesting. And it just shifts perspectives to the next person. Uh, it's it's something you totally don't expect. It's there's too much care put into this stupid movie. Uh, <laughs> but I guess it's it's another screenplay by Frank Darabont, yeah. the guy who no brought us kidding. Walking Dead and pretty much ev- the best Stephen King adaptations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, The Blob is pretty fantastic. It's hard. I would recommend it so much if we were closer to Halloween because it's such a fun film. Oh, I'm definitely watching it this October. We do like a big, it's the only time of the year I willingly watch horror films. So mm-hmm. it is in October. And so yeah, it's definitely going on the list. I, I think it walks a tight line. It probably won't scare your kids too much, but it can. Mm-hmm. The, the, the potential is there. I, I forgot it was rated R because like it was just shown to kids all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deb Lab, but uh, we what? I, shit, I got to jump into TV. We already burned the most notable thing: uh, first ever Cubs <laughs> game in prime time at Wrigley Field. Uh, but there's something I think even more notable on August sixth. Uh, Absolutely, mm-hmm. August sixth. Uh, let's see if the the youngins, if the old people out there can get this uh, from the theme song. Yo. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Yo MTV Raps. Yes. 
Oh my god. I, right. I was fucking baffled. This show's created by Ted Demi. I know. <laughs> the director I had no of idea. Beautiful Girls Blow and Rounders. What? And Dennis what? Leary's No Cure for Cancer. Seriously. He was oh a young production assistant at MTV and was like kind of vying to get wrap its own block on the channel. Uh-huh. And I, I, I'm not an expert on it, but you can, there was some, what let's call it polite 80s racism on MTV. Mm-hmm. Uh, there totally was. They yeah. were genuinely terrified to, you had to be a real poppy rap song yep. to make it in regular rotation. Uh, and they kind of kept it off the airwaves for a while. But this, with the premiere of Yo! MTV Raps, it proved to be an immediate success, something that wasn't represented at all yeah. anywhere, and only MTV could do it. This is a huge deal mm-hmm. that this got on the air at the time that it did. Like it, is. it was, it's really revolutionary. It is, and like I, I love if you grew up. I think let me, let me see here. The show lasted for until 1995, ran mm. for over uh, almost 2,000 episodes. Oh my lord! Damn. Most of which was a two-hour blocks. Um, it's name checked in a bunch of mm-hmm. rap songs because at the time. In hip-hop, it was like a hallmark. If you hit this spot, you're going to brag about it. You can hear it in Ice Cube's uh, Today Was a Good Day. Mm -hmm. I believe MC Hammer shouts them out. And have you seen her? He shouts out Ed Lover and Dr. Dre. No, not that one. Uh, Right, right. (laughs) But yeah. It's bizarre that there are two Dr. Dre's. Yeah. Well, well, I think they, they... Create, they came up separately. Sure. I think the story goes... One has an MD, one has a PhD, so that's how they tell them <laughs> apart. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's a little confusing because they had to make a pilot first. Mm-hmm. And there's a great documentary that someone dumped online that Ooh. MTV made a while back Ooh, about the out. creation of the show. But the, uh, it, the original host was Fab Five Freddy, just like this rap pioneer of the 1980s. And then it eventually shifted over to Dr. J and Ed Lover, mm-hmm. who would, you know, basically became famous for this show. They got their own movie, Who's the Man, also directed by Ted Demi, hmm. as a result of their uh, popularity on Yo! MTV Raps. Um, but I got a little clip because there was an original pilot that they had to show the viability of it. And it was like an immediate success. Like BET, I think one year later, launched Rap City, which was a show that lasted much longer. Mm-hmm. But just because like, yeah, no one thought this was going to do well. It's like the fucking Black Panther thing over and over again. No yeah. one wants to take the risk. On so a, true. On a, on a black centric thing, and then the first person who does gets to reap all the fucking benefits. Yeah. Uh, but but the, from the pilot, they they hired Run DMC to host, mm-hmm. and I Ooh. think for the first time on MTV, even though he was an artist, they they were both artists that were on the radio. We get to see DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince nice. uh, together, and like it's they everyone immediately like put that fucking guy on camera right now will mm-hmm. smith mm-hmm. and this is will smith on the technical first episode of umtv raps the pilot doing a little freestyle about the show he's on i'm dj jazzy jeff and hey, yo i'm the prince and i'm ready rock seed hold up bust this we want to let everybody know where it's at it's right here yo mtv raps boom wow <laughs> nice yeah, word, I think, is the only way to describe that, that clip. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> you know what's so weird, though, is I'm not much of a rap fan, mm-hmm. uh, and I know even less about hip-hop. I know this is a big week, and once we get to music, I will explain why. But uh, I would watch Yo! MTV raps all the time just because Dre and Ed Lover were so funny. Right, they were. They had they were amazing just, they had chemistry. great chemistry, and they would just sort of goof around and make jokes and you know interview people in a really goofy way and it was just like it was like hanging out yeah it's weird it's weird to talk about this era just because like i don't know like rap and hip-hop have been pretty ubiquitous in my life since i can remember getting into stuff but like yeah dr dre 
no, not that one, mm-hmm. was a New York City DJ like instrumental in getting this whole movement and scene off the ground. And it was eventually a radio DJ with friend Ed Lover. Mm-hmm. So they developed their rapport there and they're brought on to MTV. And they, they're pretty much, they're more synonymous with the series than Fab Five Freddy or even Run DMC. But uh, yeah, like that that all happened this week. And I, I keep seeing that MTV has revived it numerous times, that mm-hmm. in June they revived Yo! MTV Raps again, yep. even keeping the Yo! Which is, <laughs> I think, the only reason it would get canceled in 1995. <laughs> uh, because, it, yeah, there's still plenty of fucking hip-hop out there. It's just like, yeah, you know, the guys wearing the, uh, the gangster rap probably aren't saying Yo! a lot. Um, <laughs> probably not. But yeah, it should probably still be on. And it, it does have a place somewhere on the MTV landscape. It's super confusing to... St- it might not be on their channel, but it's somewhere on the MTV network of shit. Yeah, MTV <laughs> is just kind of confusing to me now, totally. which means I'm very old. But um, I thought I was I was trying to watch you MTV raps, but there's just pregnant white girls screaming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I just found out that there's like I have another MTV channel I didn't even know. MTV right. Live. <laughs> right. Is it, that just concerts? Just, well, I think it's v- just concerts. Yeah, oh, Viacom. Man. Pass on that. I think swallowed up or like. Changed a bunch of their boring cable channels that you only get on like satellite with big satellite and cable packages mm-hmm. to MTV branded stuff, and oh, there's finally yeah. somewhere on your dial. I it believe probably was Palladia, I bet, and that's <laughs> no idea got taken over. I know everything that was branded VH1 other than VH1 got turned into something MTV, and like oh, there okay. is a place for live music concerts that's not PBS is <laughs> against somewhere a, on your cable dial. Is there a place for? fucking music videos i hope so <laughs> because no. I'm, i hope i so. love no, music videos <laughs> i would love to see some sometime i fucking hope so uh but yeah yo mtv raps it's it's importance can't be understated and that hap- that only happened this week 30 years ago mm-hmm. uh and the only other notable thing that i think diana you want to pronounce this ollie hoop noodles haven a bliss uh, yeah, no, you pronounced it right. Yes! Uh, this is a, a TV movie based on a Gene Shepard story about the same family from A Christmas Story no and shit. still narrated by Gene Shepard and Shepherd. they go on a vacation to a lake in Michigan. Holy shit. So this Whoa. is part of the Christmas, the Forgotten Christmas Story trilogy? Indeed. Indeed the, it is. The real ones. There's uh, what's the other one called? It Runs in the Family? It's a terrible title. Yes. It was supposed to be called The Summer Story, but... Are- Oh, so they're not all Christmas themed. No, the, a sum- I was going to say Christmas the Antista. Better, the, <laughs> the better title is a summer story. Gotcha. But it stars a Culkin and Charles Grodin and Mary oh. Steenburgen as the parents from oh, wow. Christmas Story, and it was made in the '90s. And they just renamed it something else. And I would have been crazy about a sequel to the Christmas Story with yeah. the same narrator who would die, I think, only a few years later, Missed like somewhere in the mid '90s. I had no idea this exists, but there's another. This is the what a TV sequel to Christmas Story technically. Yep, and it's on YouTube. No shit. Oh, that's yep. fantastic. Uh, for it. Happy. It's got a little Jerry O'Connell in it. <laughs> I am happy to know there's more out there. But let's move into the games real fast because there's a real important one, and I am ballparking this in early August because the date is just August. It's an it's an arcade release. Uh, I teased it at the beginning. Uh, anybody who, most anybody will get this, especially if you owned a Sega console. Rise from your grave. <laughs> anything, ladies? <laughs> ladies? That um, would be. They used that in the intro to the last podcast on the left, and I've always wondered what the hell is he saying. Rise from your grave with a mouthful of marbles. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, that's what I thought. I was like, is it, I think it's supposed to be rise from your grave, but it also sounds like rise from Berkeley. Rise <laughs> from your grave. Yeah, yeah, it's Joe Lieberman saying rise from your grave, and uh, <laughs> but Altered Beast releases in arcades and is. A pretty significant phenomenon. Uh, and I, I don't... Again, games are young. So the idea of you're a guy and you're 
fighting on a, this side scroller set in ancient Greece with all these mythical monsters, and you slowly power up. You slowly grab powers up. You get big old muscles, and then your ultimate power up is changing into a new beast entirely. I think if I told my parents that exists, she's, they would say I thought all games were that. Yeah, but they weren't, <laughs> and this was really pretty and gothic and kind of took people by storm. And its legacy is only diminished because it after that it was mostly inferior arcade ports. And I'm not sure if you ladies know why that's important because of Sega, Sega second system, the Genesis slash Mega Drive, uh, needed a pack-in to take on Nintendo. And that turned out to be Altered Beast. The inferior port of Altered Beast became the pack-in game. Kids, there used to be pack-in games. Is that a game <laughs> that comes with the console yes. when you buy it? It doesn't even happen that much anymore until a system's like three years old. You'll get a fucking free game with it. Yeah. Mostly you have to pay extra and I believe this is a Canadian commercial because uh, the price seems way too high. And, and one of the words will give it away. For the hottest arcade games in town, come to Toys R Us. Sega's new Genesis system with 16-bit graphics processor, controller, and Altered Beast game, just two eighty nine ninety nine. dollars So I can't confirm. Processor. Yeah, but processor. It's the processor. <laughs> <laughs> the graphics processor. Yep. So yes, if you bought a Sega Genesis after 1988, you got Altered Beast for free. So... Even if people don't love the game, it was almost everyone in the, in North America. It was your first Sega Genesis Mega Drive mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm. Until, <laughs> ladies, you don't even have to know a ton about Sega. What would be your pack-in game if you were making a savvy marketing decision for a Sega console? Ooh. Think Sega's most notable person. Um, Alfred Chicken. <laughs> Stop it, Ty. <laughs> you know, no, Sonic. 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 And the second Sonic came along, Sonic became the packet, and it kicked Altered Beast mm. the fuck off the, off the platform. There was a very brief period where you could get both of those games with your Sega Genesis. And it was really exciting. You can get Altered Beast in the best Genesis game. But it's, it was interesting to me looking back at these old Genesis commercials because it's, it's a standard we don't have anymore that the home consoles were... Nintendo basically made a home console because it was pissed at how their games look when they were converted to inferior hardware. Like, no, we're going to make a home system that makes our games pop like they do in arcades. And that's what the Genesis was made for, to bring Sega's games home. And Altered Beast was, they thought, the best showcase for that. Let's pack it in with the Genesis. So Altered Beast history runs hand-in-hand with Sega's most popular console. I thought it was worth mentioning. That's very interesting. I don't have a lot of love for Altered Beast, but like every one of you, I'll bet, played it a lot. I love turning into a boomerang as a werewolf. It's fantastic. Yes, it's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) But that's all I'll say for games of 1988. August 3rd through the 9th, music. Roll with it, baby. God, I hate Ooh, that song. It's a bad one. Uh, by Steve Winwood is still number one. It is, it is. I, I'll say irredeemably eighties. We closed out with it last week. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. but we have new releases this week, uh, don't we, Dime? Oh, um, but we do. Don't be afraid of the dark by Robert Cray. Dragon's Kiss by Marty Friedman. Out of this world by Europe. Follow the leader by Eric B and Rakeem. And straight out of Compton, NWA's debut. Uh, it's what? No, it's ranked one hundred and forty fourth on Rolling Stones. List of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. So when I say this is a big week for rap, yeah. this is a huge week for totally. rap. No kidding. Fo- Follow the Leaders, uh, Eric B. and Rakim's second album. They put out the last, the first one last year, and they're a big and very influential rap group. And then N.W.A. is just, it's just a fucking bomb on the entire mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, it's, people like Eric B. and Rakim were getting, you know, pretty 
you know, a little more political and more about, you know, real life on the streets. And then NWA shows up with the literally they have a song called Fuck the Police. Yes. Yeah. They're There's like, no more show you how it's done. There's no more. We're just going <laughs> to dance and have a good time. No, I am systematically oppressed. The cops That's... are coming here and fucking with me. I have to deal drugs to survive. Yeah. That is yeah. A, a great term that I only attribute to Bernie Mac. Mm. His his collection of happy rap. Yep. His his fresh mm-hmm. prints and kitten plays, and that's like all out the window this week. This changes the yep. fucking genre yeah. for like over a decade. Oh yeah, it changes. Mm. I think the the whole landscape mm-hmm. of how we talk about race in America to mm-hmm. some extent. I think I feel like uh, it really speaks to Rolling Stones. Old square white dude population that's only <laughs> at 144 on the list, to be honest. Well, you got to get five Bob Dylan albums on <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. You, the entire Beatles catalog has to be ahead of this. Okay. Uh, Does it, though? Yeah. Yeah, but, the, but not a Beatles movie that was nominated for an Oscar uh, a few years ago. There you go. That's true. That, that movie is fucking great. The I Beatles know, movie was horrible. <laughs> Most of them are, except for the one starring the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but uh, Straight Outta Compton, you might remember from being in theaters and, yeah. and a mild meme when they were <laughs> promoting it on the internet. Yeah. But it's actually a song off of NWA's first album. Uh, we will close out with that. Stay with us, folks, because we're, we're going to meet you back in 1998. Straight Outta Compton, crazy motherfucker. Hell yeah, that was a motherfucking trip the way y'all niggas had the whole world saying, uh, nah, 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 nah. Let's see what your dog father working with on this shit here, check this out. Cause let me keep you safe, motherfucker, motherfucker. Come on, everybody, let me keep you safe, motherfucker, motherfucker. Fans of West Coast rap delight. Uh, and I love being able to say this since this is Wolf. Wolf off of the game is to be sold, not to be told. Uh, Snoop Dogg, no longer Snoop Doggy Dogg, because he's left Death Row Records, and I believe this is his debut on No Limit Records, where Snoop Dogg jumped jump ship to the new uh, big fish in the hip-hop scene. No Limit Records. There is no sillier time in the rap game than with No Limit Records. God damn, I, I miss that period so much. And if you look at it's just that album cover is like garish and bejeweled and, mm-hmm. and looks like the, uh, the hood of an El Camino. That's what every No Limit album cover looks like. Yeah, um, the, that is the classic era of rap design. I don't know if you ever saw the show uh, Weird Weekends with Louis Theroux. No. There's a whole episode of him trying to become a gangster rapper, and he's like the whitest, most British dude ever. And he hangs out with the guys who, that was their job, was to just design all those album covers. Just just going nuts with Photoshop, where it's like, okay, put him on a throne, and he's got like two pit bulls, and the pit bulls are wearing crowns. Oh and my it's god. Like, he's shooting a gun, and the bullet is coming at you, and like a guy screaming is reflected in the bullet yes this is amazing fascinating my my highlight being silk the shockers charge it to the game which it's him like encrusted in diamonds around him but politely handing over a credit card (laughs) Uh, love it uh charge of the game uh but new releases this week uh august 3rd to the 9th 1998 we have blender by the murmurs perennial favorites by squirrel nut zippers and uh, Siege Perilous by Camelot. So the Boy is Mine by Brandy Monica is still number one. It's not going anywhere. 
Um, Jesus, is that is that is this when the world discovers Squirrel Nut Zippers or after the after? This this is I think their second or third album. Mm-hmm. So this is this is the follow up to the the big. We love Squirrel Nut Zippers. They're a throwback. Yay! Is it the Afterlife I, song. I knew. I didn't own this album, but everyone I knew did because I'm white. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say, I went to like nine festivals and have seen Squirrel Nut Zippers to the point where like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I can't do yeah. this anymore. It's like Please. I looked up the track listing and it was me like, oh yeah, yep, all right, we're going out with one of those. I recognize all of these. God damn it. And uh, let's bring it into something depressing for uh, get you into 1998 in full force. A little news that I definitely wasn't aware of as a... Self, yeah. <laughs> self-focused self little team. Most people were not paying attention. I remembered this happened, but I did not know who did it. Uh, right. August 7th, 1998. The world gets a real good look at Osama bin Laden and what he's up to because he masterminds the bombing of American embassies in Tanzania and Kenya, and they kill 224 people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely remember this happening because uh, I know we, talk- we talked about it in my social studies class. I was in eighth grade at the time. And yeah, that was the first time I heard the name Osama bin Laden. I definitely didn't even hear it here. This just didn't really meet our radar in a less connected world with not only no internet but fewer fewer 24 hour cable news channels like yeah. this was you maybe might have heard oh there was a bad bombing in africa yes across the world once and then it was never right. brought up again really yeah i, I mean but that's the, the way i remember it was it. after after the investigation into this and stuff there is a point i i'm going to try to find out what the data is there is a point where basically clinton had uh bin laden in his sights and mm-hmm. it was like, are we going to execute this guy or not? Yeah. Yeah. And they decided, mm, I think they didn't. There's a, and it didn't go well. I wish I had the clip. There's a, there's a, there's a clip of him on Fox News promoting like a book or his foundation, and they just like lean into him, and he just like, all right, fuck it. When a, <laughs> when Bin Laden did this, I tried. Yeah. When he did this, I tried. And no one, no one agreed with me. Wanted to do it, and like, whoa, this Ooh. is like the least presidential I've ever seen you. And he's like, yeah, you want to do a hit piece on me, Fox News? Nice try. Like, damn. God damn. It's it's like a fucking crazy clip. Uh, But yes, let's get out of politics and right into Saving Private Ryan. Oh, boy. Well, no, it's number one at the box office, August 3rd to the 9th. Uh, Justifiably, as we talked about two episodes ago. Uh, But there's some more notable movies at the box office this week. (laughs) Well, there's one notable movie and one where, just buckle up, I'm going to complain a lot. Ooh, Ooh, okay. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, But we have famously called Halloween Water. (laughs) <laughs> Halloween H2O. Yeah, who that that needed another pass, I feel like. It really did, but like um let's hear a bit of the trailer real quick. But we have Jamie Lee Curtis returning, Adam Arkin, Michelle Williams, Josh Hartnett, LL Cool J and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's 1998. One teacher is living in fear. My brother killed my sister. How did he do that? With a really big kitchen knife. <laughs> now, the face of good the face of evil will meet one last time. <laughs> but this time, it's going to be a fight to the finish. Halloween H2O. Rated off Wednesday. It's uh, 20 years later after the original mm-hmm. Halloween in mm-hmm. 1978. One, I believe this is the seventh Halloween movie, technically. Uh, technically, it's the sixth Michael Myers movie. Thank you, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's following up, I believe, what people... They, you were just writing about this Laser Time Facebook community, like ranking the Halloween films. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the worst is Rob Zombies. Or other people say four and six. So they eventually brought Michael Myers back in the series with four, uh, made a bunch of forgettable movies. And this is one of the first retconnings mm-hmm. of a horror hero that I can think of, where I, I, I think 
Halloween one and two are considered canon, but this this being the seventh Halloween movie, this is technically the third in the acknowledged story. And the trailer even says one last time. Yeah. This movie will get a sequel two years later. Why would any (laughs) horror trailer ever say the last time ever? I never say that. I only saw it recently. They always say that. I always lie. I know. I only saw it recently. After the second week of box office came in for Transformers the last night, mm-hmm. the, the marketing changed to like, this is the last Transformers movie. Enjoy it while you can. Uh, but no, this in, in where we stand in 2018, we are getting a new Laurie Strode, Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis movie coming out this year that looks fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And connected to what we're going to talk about in 2008. Oh, thank God. Because yeah, it's like... I always tell people that, and it didn't help Alien Covenant, but Danny McBride, mm-hmm. who's either in the new Halloween or producing it. He's co-writing it with David Gordon Green. The way he describes himself, he's it. he's a film student yeah. and scholar who inadvertently had to cast himself in his own movies, with, but he had no aspirations to be an actor. Yeah. He just knows film. And hearing him talk about Halloween... It's like crazy. with the Danny McBride voice, yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of a trip. It's fucking articulate and beautiful, and he loves this movie and gets everything about it because the first Halloween movie is so fucking good. Die, like, how would have you have you seen this recently? I haven't seen this one now. Okay, I, like I saw. I the, just haven't seen it. I think I've only seen the first Halloween all the way through, and I've seen chunks and bits of all some, probably most of the rest. Um, yeah, same I here. am a big sissy, and I don't like slasher movies. Same here, but I have seen the first one. I it's, think it's fantastic. The yeah, first Halloween yeah. is amazing. I want to revisit it for and, sure. And John Carpenter kind of backed off of the series, and they kind of brought him back in here. And just look at this: these credits introducing Josh Hartnett, lots of Weinstein's, Janet Lee. What are you doing here? Hmm. Uh, hey. <laughs> but, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, it, technically it's one of the least bad okay. Halloween movies. I mean, I feel like they really missed their chance here with having not having it be set on a cruise ship, <laughs> if we're going to call it H2O. Because <laughs> Jason Voorhees really did that. into it. Did that, what, 20 years, 30 years ago? Oh. Jason Takes Manhattan? Terrible. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Halloween it comes back for like, I don't know, how do I say it? Like two seasons? There's two new Halloween movies at this point before we reboot it twice. And <laughs> Uh, but yes. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, like I said, I haven't seen this. I, I feel like this one's a bit more respected than the rest. And like you said, cause the continuity is all over the place. Like when I saw the trailers for this, I was like, wait, what do you mean? She's, she's, uh, his sister. Wait, what? When did that happen? He was just, just a freaky kid in the first one who grew up to be a freaky adult. I thought it was. Oh, and it, it turns out they're related. Wait, it, when? It, it's acknowledged in the first movie. And if it isn't, it's acknowledged no, in the second. No, it's not the first movie. It's the second movie. I okay. Think. But. Huh. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was the first movie. Like they're related. That's even weirder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess I always... Wow. I guess I always thought they were brother and sister because of... Because of the maybe? Halloween remake. Yeah. Which is like very explicit oh, about weird. it. For 45 fucking minutes. God, I hate that movie. Please go listen to that episode. It's 302010 if you want to hear me bitch about Halloween. Mm-hmm. Halloween the remake? The 2007 remake? Terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I hopefully this is the movie Diana wants to be. <laughs> bitch about i saw this in theaters crazy disappointed uh, i did do i hate this movie <laughs> <laughs> brian de palma's mission impossible follow-up <laughs> yeah oof. uh yeah carla G- how do you say her name gugino. Gugino. gugino gary sinise and nicholas cage star in snake eyes i could be court martial for this that is not gonna happen 14,000 people witnessed the crime. They didn't tell me they were going to kill somebody. We got 1,500 cameras. What are you looking for? Only one man can 
see the truth. What are you chasing this for? You sat down and they wanted you to. I didn't miss him with that second shot. It was two. This is not the plan I invested in. Nicholas Cage. I'm not going to let you kill her. Snake Eyes. Rated R. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this movie. I love that JFK music that they're using. But, uh, I hate this movie. And it is like all of the reasons I don't like Brian De Palma, like all wrapped up into one. It's got it opens with like a big, long, what looks like one long tracking shot going yeah. up and down and over and around here and following stuff. And I think that's that's still what it's most famous for. It's opening yeah, 20 minutes. Okay. Shot one that shot part is OK, but it's about this assassination during this big uh, fight at Atlantic City. And also there's a storm outside and. Uh, Nicholas Cage is the rogue bad cop who's the only one who can figure it out and he figures it out by just it's like a video game and there's a bunch of NPCs are sitting around and he just walks up to a guy <laughs> after all this chaos and bloodshed he just like walks up to a guy in the security booth and says do you have security footage that can help me and the guy says yes yes I do <laughs> yes I do and that I happens do. like six times and, you know, and then the movie is over and with, with many impossible shots as well like why were you filming the rafters it, <laughs> At this point. <laughs> yeah. Or it's I like, mean, it's if I'm casino. the security guy and it's my job to watch the security cameras mm-hmm. and I see that I've caught a bunch of stuff, I'm not just going to sit around <laughs> waiting for them to come ask me about it. <laughs> That's yeah. not how that is supposed to work. I, yeah. it's I, I remember everyone walking out of this crazy disappointed. Mm-hmm. And because like Brian De Palma didn't mean much to my generation until Mission Impossible, which we all loved. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. But Nicolas Cage was like huge at this point and... I mean, people still talk about the opening shot. It is pretty impressive. There are a couple of nips and tucks where they hide shots, but yeah. it, it looks like an unbroken 20-minute shot in the opening. Yeah. And, yeah. and a cool yeah. way to introduce him. loves to do those. He does them He does them in all of his bad movies. He, he does an <laughs> even better one in Bonfire of the Vanities. Mm. Uh, I hate this movie. <laughs> I hate it so much because there's so, like, you could do such a good Parallax View 70s kind of thriller out of this idea of this, like, assassination going on in front of all these people and instead it's just so bad it's so bad in so many many ways the one nice thing i have to say about it is basically going out over the credits because it turns out nicholas cage has been like a dirty cop this whole time but then he redeems himself by solving the mystery and then like as they go to the credits there's like this press starts digging into him and then he gets indicted for shit and then he gets all this old stuff comes up and it casts doubt on what happened. It's like, yeah, actually, that was that's exactly what would happen. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's a nice bit of realistic uh, crap in this terrible movie. Yeah, I, I remember, like, and it's also like when you think of Nicholas, terrible Nicholas Cage. Yeah, this oh, is yeah. kind of it. Yeah, He's... this is what I think of, like peak bad Cage <laughs> with the craziest eyes. Yeah, and if He's I, got I, some I, real crazy, eyes. I am somehow saying that as a compliment, but because yeah. the opening is supposed to be this cool thing of him introducing himself to every mechanism that he'll eventually re-explore mm-hmm. to solve the case. Mm-hmm. Shaking hands with everyone you'll meet later. Uh, it's just that the way it's done is so ham-fisted and Nick Gagey, come on! <laughs> Tell the truth! You're lying! Like, it's... It's <laughs> pretty good. It's so Nick Cagey. It's, uh, yeah, it is funny. Uh, but yeah, that is that is about it for 1998 movies. Some weird, yep. weird summer drop. Also, hey, look, we have some bizarre summer drops in 1998 for television. Yeah. This is still kind of a rarity because ABC debuts Maximum Bob on August 4th, which like, how is this not awesome? And then I read the description. Oh, that's why. Even though it's based on an Elmore Leonard book, Maximum Bob is stars Bo Bridges, mm-hmm. who plays a 
like a Southern court justice known for giving the maximum sentence out oh, to everyone uh, each, every every case he presides hell? over. Uh, yeah, uh, yes, a hardcore right wing judge. You wonder why they dropped this in the summer. Uh, yeah, not very popular. You know, wait, what is this There's so many lawyer in shows. I don't think there've been many judging judge shows. shows. Yeah, judging Amy. Ju- yeah, judging yeah, Amy is, is one. And um, I don't know Uncle Phil and Fresh Prince of Bel Air. There's some judge episodes mm-hmm. in there, like three. I mean, Night Court is everybody. <laughs> there you <laughs> That's go. True. It's not really about any of the lawyer in. There That's you true. Go. Um, but more notable that same week on ABC is the. American debut of Whose Line Is Is It Anyway, which might have the most bizarre history of any show on television. It's so (laughs) weird. It's so fun. I just love it. I went down a rabbit hole trying to look this up. I love pointing out Whose Line Is It Anyway, a a UK show from dating back to like 1989. Mm -hmm. Uh, Clive Anderson was the original host guy. Am I getting that right? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. With a name based on a Richard Dreyfuss Right to Life movie called yes. Whose Life Is It Anyway? It's actually Right to Die movie. Right to Die yeah, movie, yes. It's, a, it's crazy. I mean, I watched it. I watched the Richard Dreyfuss movie in my philosophy ethics class. It's like, such a morose thing to like name your comedy after. What the? And also very like esoteric. Not esoteric, but it's obscure. Like obscure. Who gets this? Yes, it's a very obscure film. Yeah, I don't even think it's on DVD. No, it, like, it, like it, but so yes, weird. that's what whose line is it anyway? Is uh, is the name is based on? But it was a obviously I don't have to tell you an improv show that mm-hmm. made celebrities of Colin Mockery, Ryan Stiles, Wayne Brady, and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I always hated this. What? <laughs> I what? Seriously? Uh, you're looking at a drama kid who also took improv. I have a very low threshold for watching people make up funny on the spots. I, I respect the written word in the second draft. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and there's just only so much of this I can tolerate. And you'll get like two or three funny things per episode. I mean, yeah, that's pretty good. It's, a, it's not, not a bad, bad. batting that's average. That's a good record. And also, I mean, yeah, if you watch this long enough and you've seen as many episodes of that as I have, you get their tricks. Like you right. get to, it's like, oh, okay. Like they, they have a little formula thing. Still funny though. It's still it's, makes me no. Really I, laugh. I, that's the thing. I love every person involved. Yeah, in like yeah. I love those guys. They are inimitably, inimitably talented people. Yes, uh, that that they found. Thank God they found a venue. And I, I tried to. I, I meant to like look up more Ryan Styles and Colin Mockery interviews because like it doesn't really make sense to me how they were discovered mm-hmm. as like I don't know like unknown Second City people in America. Canadian to, second city. Can, yeah, like, and, yeah, and, they and, were, in Mockery's case. Yeah. And, and, and that go on to basically headline a UK show for years. Yeah. Like, why mm-hmm. these three people, these Americans? Uh, let's let's not forget, oh, I'm, I'm Greg... Uh, Proops. Greg Proops. Oh, amazing. I love him so yeah. much. Amazing. That's, and also, uh, one of the regulars, too, and I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but he's like the lead of Nashville, the television program. Oh, is he? That is not a funny program <laughs> at all. And when he showed up on that, I was like, what? You're... F- you're a funny man. What are you doing on this very, very soapy show? <laughs> but uh, I, I was trying to find a clip from the debut episode, and that's the thing. It doesn't really matter. Right. Because every episode's kind of different but the same. Yes. But I think the most notable thing about ABC's version, and that's another thing that's notable about it, it's a UK show. I think it's technically run 14 seasons mm-hmm. on the BBC, mm-hmm. on ABC, the ones when ABC canceled it, Drew Carey did the Drew Carey green screen show on the WB mm. 
which was an all improv show with all the same people, right? But in front of a green screen, and then later the CW revives it again, and all these actors return with Aisha Taylor. Yep. With Tyler, Aisha Tyler as Tyler, the yeah. host. Yeah. But, yeah. Speaking of uh, deep into the the cable cycle, there there's a channel that's just Who's Line all day. Is yes. it really? <laughs> Seriously, every time I start getting into the 800s, right before the music channels, I'm like, oh yeah, it's just the Who's Line I mean, all it, day. If you like it. Yeah, it'll never be bad. Exactly. These people are too good. Yeah, they really like, are. I mean, if I'm waiting for something to start, I got 15 minutes before the show I actually want to watch. Yeah, I could just watch that it's for perfect. 15 minutes. It doesn't matter. So the, the, Wayne Brady is a national gift. Like, he, yeah. I, I just saw him um, last time I went to New York. I saw him in Kinky Boots. Mm-hmm. And oh, nice. Yeah, he was amazing. And at the end, um, when everyone came out for a current call, they actually stopped and it, would, it they were doing like a fundraiser, I think for Broadway Cares or whatever. Mm-hmm. And as part of the fundraiser, he had audience members, like ten, he picked 10 audience members to give him random words and mm-hmm. he put together a um, rap slash song right there, like on the spot on stage. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a, a thing of beauty to watch, really masterful. And is he introduced on the U.S. version? Is that where Wayne Brady makes his debut? I just don't I remember popping so. up. Sure, yeah, he does. I think yeah. so. He's one of the only people I didn't remember seeing from the British one. Yeah, me yeah, neither. Same. Which I endured. I didn't hate, but it was just one of those things I watched on Comedy Central. So come on, Benny Hill is just fifteen minutes away. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the one episode I did tune in for, and I don't have two years. I don't want to wait two years to talk about it because uh, they managed to find a way to use the gift of another comic actor in a spe- very special 2000 episode of Whose oh, Line Is It Anyway? I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The out is uh, Ryan and Robin are two Italian chefs making pizzas when you notice unusually large rodents in the kitchen. <laughs> Wayne enters later as the exterminator they've called to the scene. <laughs> so I think he must have called them before. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yes, Robin Williams made a pretty fucking awesome oh appearance God. on Who's Line. Oh, he pops yeah. out from under so Drew's good. desk, and I, if you didn't, I just watched the Robin Williams uh, documentary. Please come inside my mind. Is that what it's called? Did you see? That it can't yet? be mm-hmm. the name of it. That it's come inside sound. my mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, 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 it's that's what it's called, and just because. I didn't realize how much of a Robin Williams fan I was until he died. Mm-hmm. Like I can tell what point in history we are via his hair. Right. And yes. we are in the one hour <laughs> the photo one hour period. Photo, yes. <laughs> that's the first thing I thought episode. of when I saw that. I was like, ooh, uh, that's okay. A, it's I know a, that movie. That's a splendid little doc, by the way, a little plug for that. Yeah. It's uh, on HBO. Steal it however you can. Uh, but if I'm, I do want to play this because the only reason this happened is um, Drew Carey. Noticing his, oh, my co-star on the Drew Carey show, Ryan Stiles, is this gifted improv person, and I have, mm-hmm. I have deals with ABC, and they, and it, this becomes a hit in terms of like whose line is anyway doesn't cost shit. It's yep. like the most old timey show ever. Mm-hmm. It's one it set literally three cameras. Has no writers. No writers. Exactly. And no writers. They ask. They ask for responses from the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> Unpaid writers if you show up to the taping. I think that probably the the only expense really besides like paying the talent is like the house band that they used every like third episode. So uh, yeah. what, Actually, I mean, they got in trouble, I think, with the Writers Guild. The idea they didn't have writers, but they had producers that wrote all the prompts. 
Mm. Oh, huh, okay. Yeah, but technically, no writers. No writers, and, and, and Drew Carey, he's the host of the ABC season, and it's coming off the success of the Drew Carey show, which goes on, like, what, seven or nine seasons? Mm-hmm. I've, I've sung its praises before, but it did lead to what I, I, I found is the most bizarre promo in, I'll say, U.S. television history. Uh, it came on right after the Drew Carey show, because why not? It's got two of the cast members. You like that show? You probably like Whose Line, mm-hmm. but is also in a block with Monday Night Football. So out there on the internet is a Drew Carey, Ryan Stiles football-themed promo with an original song by Are You Ready for Some Football's Hank Williams Jr. Oh, my God. Uh, that the whole cast of both shows are in. With Drew and who's line in the game, this night is a party. We get your whole game laughing and feeling all right when Drew and who's line kick off Monday night. Drew Carey, who's line in Monday night football. Jesus, it seems, wow. it seems like a... This is giving me some, like, <laughs> such nostalgia feelings. Oof. That's what the show's for. Yeah. Um, I mean, really strong. Because, I mean, I'm, like, I'm picturing the living room, my old living room, <laughs> sitting at, like, watching. We never were a Drew Carey family, but we mm-hmm. definitely all watched Whose Line Is It Together mm-hmm. and then immediately went right into Monday Night Football. Monday and Night I Football. loved that Hank Williams song. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I love football, so... Well, that we is were it. were indeed ready for football. <laughs> I was so ready for some football. I am right now. I can't wait for football season to start. Okay. That is it for television mm-hmm. this week. Uh, no games to speak of, but let's take you out with the Suits Are Picking Up the Bill by Squirrel Nut Zippers. And when that is over, we will meet you lastly in 2008, our final segment. Stay there. In a line at the cafe, I overheard the waitress say, These cats is broke, I knows them. Throw them out the doors and close them. Get them out of here. Spirits sagging, funds are low. This occupation's got to go. Up goes the limo, up goes a thrill. The suits are picking up the bill. Take a look at your phone bill, people. I know I'm pretty careful with my mobile service, yet my bill has still gotten a little out of control. Well, there are other options out there, people, like Ting, the best mobile service you've never heard of. Plus, they're offering $25 off your bill or $25 off a new phone in the Ting shop just by going to laser, laser.ting.com. You might not know about Ting. That's Ting like ting, if that makes any sense. You might not know about Ting, but they're a phone service uh, that do things a little differently, starting with their plans. Because there are no plans. Seriously, there is no plans, no contracts, and no startup fees. You simply pay for the data that you use. If so, if you're like me and you're someone who's mostly connected to Wi-Fi all the time, you might be paying more than what you need to for your data right now. For example, the average Ting bill is just $23 per phone. And Ting offers nationwide LTE coverage, so you'll get a great signal from coast to coast. And just so you know, almost any phone will work with Ting. From that ancient Motorola Razr to the latest Galaxy X9 or iPhone X, you're just a SIM card away from a new phone and a new plan. So if you've had it with the high cost and hidden fees of other service providers, Ting might be for you. And better still, laser timers can get $25 off their bill or $25 off a new phone just by going to laser.ting.com. That's the word laser, T-I-N-G.com for $25 off your bill or a new phone. the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of august 3rd through august 9th yep a couple recommendations uh 50 years ago this week we got uh, hang him high with clint eastwood not one of his best westerns but a pretty good one 
I like it. I mean, it's not any of the Leone Man With No Name films, but once you've gotten through those and you start going into the rest of Clint's back catalog, that's, that's fine. The movie I really want to recommend this week is uh, 1938, so celebrating its 80th anniversary is Algiers, starring Charles Boyer and Hedy Lamarr. This is... I love this movie, okay? And it's going to be weird for people now to watch it because... Charles Boyer, specifically in Algiers, is what Pepe Le Pew is based on. So it's kind of hard to get over it sometimes. Uh, but it takes place in the city in Algeria, uh, and Boyer plays Pepe Le Moco, a French jewel thief who's hiding out there. And then he runs into Hedy Lamar, and uh, she's really gorgeous, and he's going to try to steal from her, but then not, but then yes. And it's really, really sexy and exotic and fun in a way that uh, late 30s, late 40s movies too. During the war years, things calm down a little bit. Obviously, Casablanca bears a little bit of resemblance too, but yeah, it's just really sexy. They spend a lot of time just looking at each other being sexy, and I really enjoy it. So, Algiers from 1938, that's my recommendation. P.S. Hattie Lamar is why you have Wi-Fi, so respect her, please. There's a documentary out that I also recommend. It's called Bombshell, and uh, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Oh, there's something about a man in black Makes me want to buy a Cadillac Throw the top back And roll down to Jackson Town I want to be there on the stage with you and I could be the next rage to hear the crowd roar Make them want more Kick the footlights out I want a love like Johnny and June Rings a fire burning with you I want to walk the line Walk the line Coming in with Johnny and June by Heidi Newfield off of What Am I Waiting For? That's probably new this week in 2008, August 3rd. For someone to, the 9th. to know who you are. <laughs> what am I waiting for? <laughs> or remember you for trying to do. Also new releases this week. Connor Oberst, self-titled de- debut solo album. Is that happening? Yep. Um, yep. Fragile Future by Hawthorne Heights. Lessons in Love by Lloyd. Uh, the Humdinger by Nappy Roots. We Want In by Outlaws and Only Through the Pain by Trapped. And Randy Newman's Harps and Angels, where he sings a song about how, how the leaders of the U.S. currently has are the worst in our history, period. Huh? What? Uh, yeah, he sings an entire song about how, yeah, our leaders are horrible now. I mean, they're not as bad as the Caesars who used to have sex with their own sisters, but <laughs> they're really bad. And I apologize for them. I'm, I'm glad. We're nice people, even though our leaders suck. And I'm like, ah, oh, 10 years from now, Randy. Yeah. Oh, glad, Randy. Glad you're not alive to see this, Randy. Yeah. He's not dead. Shut but, up. Um, <laughs> we need to follow up. I'm glad, but he is alive to see Katy Perry still number one with I Kissed a Girl in the uh, week of August 3rd to the 9th, 2008. A uh, little bit of news to tap us up. Once again, Di, she's, uh, she's beating my scoop on the television. with the. This belongs in news. The Summer Olympics open in Beijing on August 8th. Uh, and everyone finally pays attention to Zhang Yimao. Yimao? Zhang Yimao. But, um, yeah, so I have been on this kick since, like, 96 or so with the Olympics, where it's like, I don't even watch the games, but I watch the opening and closing ceremonies right. because mm-hmm. they're so crazy. Yeah. And this is this is my favorite. Yeah. It so was this was the one where crazy. I kept telling people, like, days in advance, like, seriously, watch opening ceremonies because they're either really can't be funny or they're really impressive. Mm-hmm. And then I found out, oh, this one's being choreographed by Zhang Yimou, amazing filmmaker and visual stylist. And I was bothering everyone in my office. Like, seriously, watch the opening 
watch the opening ceremonies. It's going to be amazing. And everyone finally listen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's because this was stunning. It there, was there's amazing. some I'd say beautiful photographs. I looked mm-hmm. it up. There's an official Beijing Olympics YouTube account mm. that has a standard definition version, so it doesn't do it justice. But there's photographs from people on the floor that are <gasps> taking pictures of these like. I don't know, what is it, like a thousand drummers? Yeah. Like yeah. moving to the same beat and then they turn the lights out and all their sticks are glowing. It is, it's giving me goosebumps just describing <laughs> it. And I think just like two years later, we would, like I'm watching every one of these. And then like the next Winter Olympics was Canada and it's like William Shatner is singing around an inflatable <laughs> beaver. Like Jesus Christ, Canada, get your yeah. shit together. Beijing put you to shame. Yeah, it was great. Well, this seriously, this upped the game because I mean, the opening was just so gorgeous. And I mean, there's a guy running through the sky and it's lighting up things and there's a guy doing a dance. And then like when it's done, it spells out this thing in this calligraphy. And and then when they get to the closing ceremonies, they always have a handoff to the next guy. And it's like, they do all these amazing things. And then they hand it off to Jimmy Page on a bus. (laughs) (laughs) London, everybody, are you excited? (laughs) Boy, Jimmy Page. And then London brought it. I'll give them that. London brought it too. But- Nothing compared to not, this. Not Please as, look it up if you haven't seen it. Not as great as that Japan Mario handoff. That was that was just <laughs> astonishing. That really made me happy. Uh, but yeah, that is happening this week uh, in the news and also on television. But we're here to talk about movies at this point. Uh, August third through the ninth, Dark Knight is justifiably still number one at the box office. That's good. Yeah. Um, I love that we we're going to do our comment show for our patrons. Patreon.com slash laser time. There's probably. Fewer comments than I'd imagine on Dark Knight because it's really hard to find something new to say about a movie yeah. we've all talked about to death and know is just mm. an immaculate film. Right. I, I just wanted to point that out because like, I want someone to say something I haven't heard on Dark Knight. It's not possible. It doesn't it's, exist. Well, somebody did, but I don't know if we're going to read that comment. Um, we'll talk about that in the show exclusively for patrons. Patreon.com slash laser time. Get a bunch of bonuses there. Um, and you'll help us survive. Thank you. Uh, but movies this week... 2008, Elegy, Jesus, this doesn't seem like something I would have watched. All right, so this is a Philip Roth adaptation about Ben Kingsley being uh, a crabby old intellectual and meeting Penelope Cruz, who is a younger woman, and he thinks about being an older intellectual. There's a trailer you don't even have to. (laughs) Philip Roth adaptation, it means it's going to be about a neurotic and or grumpy intellectual. The the Philip Roth Mm -hmm. we just lost recently? Yep. Yep. Mm. It got okay reviews, though. But it's just not, I mean, not feeling it. At least if you watch the movie, you'll be able to miss out on the terrible sex scenes that he wrote. Didn't was he really known for like writing really bad sex scenes? It's so weird. I only read one book by him, mm-hmm. The Plot Against America, mm-hmm. and it's when he died. It's the thing that. that everybody referenced. Yeah, because of how fucking poignant it is. I have right it on my bookshelf. Now. I haven't read it yet. Um, yeah. Uh, oh God. But it gets worse from there. Then mm-hmm. a little better. Uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2 Are we going to bad for this? You're like nah uh, This yeah. movie's great Yeah this movie's great Oh it is? I, yeah I haven't seen this one I saw the first one And it's pretty charming It's totally charming It is uh, I loved the books too When I read them um, It's just a great Gal pal movie And um, You know honestly I remember this being great I don't remember A lot of specifics from it Because it is Kind of like a Generic Gal pal movie So there's nothing Really stands like the, out the chick flick Hangover 2 <laughs> uh gosh, I wish. It's a not quite, yeah. 
not quite that much of a retread. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I think the big question is, what is the disagreement that makes them all angry at each other at the end of the second act, and then they come back together in the third? Honestly, uh, yeah, I can't even is remember there a that. Boy, is it who gets the pants next? <laughs> I think is it whether they should be cutoffs? If I know women. It's got to be over the remote. Sure. And I clearly don't know women. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love all these actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my favorite thing about the Sister of the Traveling Pants like deal is that they are all still best friends in real life. Oh, really? Yeah. By they that, always are talking to each America other. America Ferrara, Amber Tamblin, Blake Lively, and Alexis Bledel. That's right. Lidl. That's right. Uh, those, are, those are some fine actresses right there. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit of that trailer. Thank you. Interesting jeans, Lena. Oh, yeah. It's a long story. For as long as I... Is that, is that all you wanted to play, Di? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's... And I mean, like, these are all, like, really beautiful, like, great young actresses. Mm-hmm. And I also would totally recommend um, all of their most notable television shows that they came from. Amber Tamblyn um, played... She was in this really small show that nobody watched besides me called Joan of Arcadia. Two and a half men? No. <laughs> she was in that eventually. But yeah, uh, Joan of Arcadia, where she basically plays this teenage girl who like that. hears mm-hmm. voices and it's it maybe God telling her to do things to help people out. It's very charming. Really yeah, a lot it. better than it sounds. America Ferreira, of course, is Ugly Betty. Nice. Very charming show. <laughs> it's got its own cartoon show. Must have been important. Yeah. Yeah. It was It was kind of a big deal. Definitely. Uh and of course, Blake Lively was Serena Vanderwoodson from Gossip Girl. I was wondering what she was from because I've only seen her in the Green Lantern movie. Yeah, no, she's and she's great in that, and I love Gossip Girl, mm. even though it is horrible. And then of course, Alexis Bledel, the Gilmore Girl. Hmm. Oh, good. Oh. And now I tend to think of her from uh, Handmaid's Tale, where right. she's been fucking dudes up. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think that Rory Gilmore kind of finally got some balls. <sighs> Oh my god! Are you ladies ready for a hard pivot? <laughs> I've oh, never. This is the hardest pivot. But the remember hardest. the beginning of this episode with the rescue had such a great cheesy trailer. Yeah. yeah. This book ends it oh. with beer for my horses, yeah. written by and co-starring Toby Keith. Toby Keith. When you mess with the law in Jackson County, freeze! This is a holdup. You mess with Deputy Rack Racklin. I wouldn't do that. You're not a rapper. Pull your pants up. And his partner, Lonnie Freeman. Rack, I am surprised you even let him carry a gun. You look ridiculous. They come with the matching tank top. (laughs) Yuck. Uh, Toby Keith vehicle? Is this really happening? Even grosser, Ted Nugent vehicle. Ted Nugent. Uh Tom Skerritt, nice to see you again. Willie Nelson, you're always welcome in my house. True. uh, And Gina Gerson, yes. But uh, Toby Keith and Ted Nugent, you can fuck off forever. Yeah. Yep. You had a note that this currently has a 0% uh, from critics uh, right now. Yep. 61% 61% from viewers, though. What the <laughs> fuck, viewers? Well, I wonder how many of those are actual viewers and how many of those are like, Toby Keith is the only person I trust in America and the liberal media is trying to tell me that he makes bad movies. Exactly. It's a ca- one of those counter campaigns we're seeing a lot of now in this horrible, horrible culture where we're all having to yeah. live through. Uh, but we were all seemingly in agreement about what the best movie of this week was. Oh, yes. Now and then, uh, Seth Rogen and James Franco in Pineapple Express. I witnessed a murder. Dude! Oh my god, oh my god! I saw me see them shoot. What? Did they follow you here? We are gonna hunt these guys now. Dale Soul, we're gonna kill them all. This is so exciting. Whoa, whoa! Come on! No, I think we should stay. Why? So I'm in the dumpster already. From the guys who brought you super bad. Stop lying. I can't see! Look, kick out the window, isn't that what they did? Ah. I think I pulled my crow 
Express. Rated R. Yeah, this movie is oh dumb fun. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. So I remember not liking this, so I rewatched it last night, and I liked it slightly more, but for Apatow movies, this is towards the bottom for me. I, I, I'm slowly coming around to like James Franco roles. Anytime he plays something in a comedy now, he fucking kills me. Mm. I love yeah. yeah. I love James Franco at one of the disaster artists where he, I would yes. like to think is a comedic role. Yeah. Anything else like ugh, when he plays dramatic, I, w- yeah, I would never good. ever watch that. But him him as a funny person leaving Seth Rogen as kind of the straight man as yeah. in the interview. Yeah. Uh yeah, this movie is, I don't know, totally charming and, and indicative of like a blockbuster we might not see ever again. That yeah. bums me up. It's so yeah. charming. It's so, the joke, some of the jokes in this are just like, they're they're small enough that like, I don't know, it just delight me. Like when they call Rosie Perez, what an adorable little cop. Like, just, <laughs> I say that now every time I see her. I'm like, Rosie Perez, an adorable little cop. But I mean, like my favorite fight scene ever is mm-hmm. in this film because it just mm-hmm. looks like what it's supposed to look like which is just a bunch of regular dudes <laughs> who are bad at fighting <laughs> yeah, hitting each I, other and just that, it's so i love it <laughs> yeah that was definitely the highlight of the movie is bringing it bringing it back around danny mcbride mm-hmm. um there's yeah a scene before they have a big fight scene that's clearly improvised that they're just per- him mm-hmm. and seth rogan are just perfect mm-hmm. at where it's like hey i'm just seeing right through you yeah, well, I could I could see through you. Yeah, what I had for dinner last night, cake. <laughs> All right, shut up. <laughs> um, and yeah, then they throw down with just this big, ridiculous fight where they're just slamming into everything. Everything is breaking. They call time out a couple times. Yep, yep. And then time in. Adorable. <laughs> time in. No, you cheated. <laughs> While they're trying to kill each other, like that. That was great. I want to yes. see more of that. But yes. a lot of the rest of the movie is just sort of like. Eh, they're just sort of wandering around. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, supposed to be at its core just this comedy with a bunch of bumbling dickheads. But I want yeah. I want also want to tip my hat to Gary Cole. Yes, a man who is wonderful and unsung, and he gets to play sort of serious, menacing here. Yes, but he's also like he's one of the funniest straight men. Like I don't know if they were still making good Police Squad movies, I would cast <gasps> Gary Cole as Frank Drebin. That's Drabin. a good. That's a good like, choice. I, I think he's great, and I, I want to well, see more funny shit. And he's so good at being so dry. Like, mm-hmm. he's fantastic on Veep because he just, like, everything mm-hmm. he says is so deadpan and serious yeah. and ridiculous at the same he's time. He's got that old timey radio voice. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. probably still most famous for being Lumberg. Yep. Maybe Harvey Birdman. Yeah. But uh, I love the dude. We were just talking about him the other day. I forget why because yeah. he's, like, just awesome and everything. He came he's up in. again. But yeah, I mean, like, this movie, too, it's, like, so quirky in a lot of ways. And ugh, I hate that word. I shouldn't have used that word. But it's just delightful. To me, the super violent also. Yeah, yeah that's what I which is about. very surprising <laughs> to me in a way that I appreciate though, I think. Um and I mean like the directing is is David Gordon Green. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be mm-hmm. weird and it's gonna have a lot of like weird little tiny moments that you take away from it that kind of stick under your craw in a good way. I don't know. I really am into this movie. I've laughed a bunch the first time I saw it, and I've seen it a couple times, and every time it makes me laugh. Yeah, man. I, like it's it's just odd that it's I don't know. It's not it's not forty year old virgin and super bad levels, but like I do mm-hmm. love this movie and, mm-hmm. and feel like it's totally worth rewatching. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it's yeah. it, I can't believe it's ten years old though. Ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'd say it's worth watching. It's mm-hmm. Just yeah, I didn't get as many big laughs. It was some smaller chuckles, but. Yeah, I mean, the fact that everyone in this movie is such an idiot, and then they get high, and they're even dumber. 
They do a nice job with that. I love it when they're running for their lives and yet packing snacks as fast as they can. <laughs> it just helps. Yeah. And their big plan to get money is to sell a bunch of weed to a bunch of like 12 year children immediately <laughs> immediately narc on them yeah, I, I don't i didn't rewatch this like you guys did but i wish i had because i you've on any my any one of my 19 podcasts you can mm-hmm. hear me lament how like this set kind of comedy isn't coming to theaters really anymore uh but it's also like you i i always look at it when it's on cable and that's a terrible way to experience yes. this film don't watch not unlike cable. the way we talked about coming to america watch yeah. the uncensored version if you get a chance absolutely Ugh. Yeah. Oh, plus, I think it also it derails a little bit for me at the end where I just feel like they were like, dude, let's just make an action movie. And they just have a really long shootout just so they could do a bunch of action movie shit. Well, this, yeah. is the, this is the guy doing the new Halloween movie, so yeah. you can do it. The whole side quest, too, with the girlfriend, mm-hmm. I couldn't really yeah. get into that for several reasons. But, is that Blake um, Lively again? Is she in two no. movies this week? Amber Heard? No. Amber Heard. Sorry, mm-hmm. I get them confused. Yeah, but... um. Also, don't forget the um, amazing opening scene with uh, Bill Hader, which I totally <laughs> forgot about smoking like government weed and basically an MK Ultra situation. <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, yeah, Pineapple Express people, uh, don't sleep on it. I don't, don't know. Don't sleep on it. I-, I wish we could extend the conversation because TV this week is fucking terrible. Mm. A little terrible. Okay. Lots of stuff getting canceled. Pam, girl on the loose. <laughs> Uh, finally, uh, it debuts on E, and it was immediately labeled a boring and pointless reality show. I don't know why that made they made the distinction for Pam show, but that's to Which, me like most shit on E. Pam is this Pam Ala Anderson? Oh, oh, now if it was Pam Greer, I'd pay attention. If it was, or if it was Pam the cooking spray, maybe I'd pay attention. <laughs> yeah, like if it was Pam from the Office, I'd pay attention. Yeah. That would be boring and pointless too, but still fun. Pamela Anderson should have been called the last days of your celebrity club. And, and see how it finally all peters like out for her. It's called Girl on the Loose. Girl on the Loose. I take that. I take offense to that. Why? What does that mean? I don't it... know. I just don't want to put loose in the same sentence as Pamela Anderson. <laughs> oh, that means you've seen t- what Tommy Lee's holding on to. And see girl. what he's swinging. Seems rude. <laughs> She's got to be over forty. She's not a girl. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I didn't. I didn't know we were, we cared that much about that distinction. Yeah. I wanted to tease Feminism you. Feminism is for everyone, Chris. <laughs> yes. Bell Hooks taught us that. <laughs> I wanted to teach you. Borrow with, my copy. With girl names from the other show that's canceled this week. Um, oh wait, the Pam. The Pam show would be canceled in like four episodes. It's it does not last very long. It lasts yeah. eight whole episodes. But after two seasons, we have to say goodbye to the American Gladiators reboot on NBC, mm. which I did Aww. watch once. Uh, <laughs> it's not. It was just not that great. So not only do we have to say goodbye to host Hulk Hogan, who everybody will love for. Here on after. Sure. Uh, but <laughs> also, hero. Gladiators, like Wolf, Militia, Venom, and Crush. Mm. Everyone is named after an energy drink. And I, <laughs> like, I wanted to trick you. I wanted to see if you could, you could name which, which Gladiator was a man or a woman. Because like, it's surprising that you can tend to pick the feminine ones out. Mm-hmm. Um, Venom is the, the chick here. That's what I was going to yeah, guess. Venom is, Venom is the lady. They're yeah. all like poison and, right. and literally stealth. <laughs> That's her name. Because ladies uh, are sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Crush, I believe. But uh, you can go look at its own Wikipedia page. It has a surprising amount of information for a fucking two-season reality sports show. Um, but on August 6th, I didn't know the show was on. I thought, why not celebrate it? <laughs> the ABC show, The World's Greatest Dog. It's like one of the only new things happening during the summer. It's a reality show. Okay. 
It's a rea- It's just a fucking hardened reality show about people and their pets with judges. So I kind of remember this. It's strange because uh-huh. they Cause can't. I was like, what is this? They can't. The judges can't yell at the dog. <laughs> So they have to yell this at the owners. This is truly unfair to the dog. I don't feel like these dogs really signed on to be judged like this. Right. Especially yeah. when they don't know what the categories are. This episode <laughs> airing this week on August 6th entitled Dancing with the Dogs. And I'm like, please let that be on YouTube. Of course it wasn't. <laughs> uh, but the, only, the closest thing I could find to that was a clip of the soup making fun of it. Okay. And I don't know if this clip will work for you, but it's a clip of the soup making fun of the show. And yeah, it's a judge like reaming this woman for her dog training techniques using a dog training technique and it has a shitload of reaction shots of dogs reacting to the thing (laughs) she's telling her not to do Uh, and it's yeah the laughter is obviously the soup but there's a show uh, it's a new show which puts dog owners in a house together and pits them against one another in a series of competitions who am I kidding you already know this Uh, the judges had some harsh words for Elon and Kenji these are my concerns. You're stressing her out a lot. You're stressing me out a lot. You're stressing the judges out a lot. I am working, you know, I don't want to be the dog that... Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every single time she moved. Jeez. I was like, oh my God, please don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's a really uncomfortable clip. That was oh, stressing me I out. I just had to mute my mic as I was laughing so hard because I do that to my dog and he ignores me. I do that exactly. He starts barking. Oh my ah! God. All these dogs are like watching it are like, this poor lady, <laughs> she's getting into real trouble. Uh, oh, but yes, th- that was a show we missed the debut of. But uh, it's a one-season show, and it just the, just an, an ill-fitting reality show genre. Which who doesn't want to watch dogs doing cool dog shit? But yeah, not... you can watch. I if you do want to watch dogs go, doing cold dog shit, the agility contests at the Westminster Dog Show. Oh, but that's those on every are week. the fucking bomb. But uh, I started watching those. I it, like three hours later, I couldn't realize. Oh my god, I'm still watching it because they don't have to be thoroughbreds, and they got to like run through all the obstacles and stuff. And there's like strategy, and there's like big dogs and little dogs, and they get distracted. And someone always does so a poop fun. when they're not supposed to. <laughs> oh yeah, there've been a couple. It's just they just take off in some other direction. They're like, yeah, bye. And uh, since I don't have to talk about the Olympics, let me invite hey all the uh, 55 year old plus ladies come back into the room. Tell me if you recognize this little theme song. You look excited now, Sarah. No, I am shocked. <laughs> uh, this is the theme song to Passions. Are you guys familiar with the soap opera Passions? Yeah. So it was, I know it existed. It was definitely a show that a lot of my gal pals watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never really got into soap operas. But I remember this one being kind of like touted as right. like, the craziest one. There was like supernatural elements right. to there it. There were witches. There's uh, witches. There's and, a, like, dolls oh, that come to right. life. This one, it, they had the possessed baby. Didn't yes. It? Well, it was a little. Yeah. It was a little person who played a doll that came to life. Yeah. yeah. It was mm-hmm. a soap opera with a supernatural bend. Yes. But mm-hmm. which is not like a terrible idea. It's, it's not. It, it's why it's. What? It is the last soap opera ever greenlit by a, a network. Oh wow. Ever. Oh. And it is well daytime soap opera. Yeah, daytime yeah. soap opera. Last one they ever approved, and they, they, I'm guessing they did because it had a 
catch. It had a unique mm-hmm. conceit. And I remember watching a ton of this just this has me all wrapped up with like junior, senior year, like we all have a license, we're skipping school. Yeah. And this is what would come on and like and you just like unironically like this is transfixing. Like I can't believe this is still on. This format is even more insane. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find clips of it. I really, really wanted to. What I remember is that it had the most blatant product placement. Soaps being called soaps because they were meant right. to sell housewives soap, mm-hmm. but that wasn't working as well. So literally on the show, there's it's listed on its wiki that like as a wedding present, like Caleb and Monroe, I give you this two in one Johnson Johnson <laughs> KY jelly. I think you're going to get a great kick out of it. Like it's just a product mentioned and shown by name in the middle of the show. It happened all the time. They did it. They really didn't give a fuck about promotional spots, but yeah, this is like, this is like my, First, it just reminds me of my first serious girlfriend in skipping school yeah. when I think of passions. Uh, but that, that show ends its final season. I think it got the Friday Night Light situation before we lived in a Netflix Hulu world. It's canceled by the network uh, and then it's picked up by the Direct TV channel. They, before uh-huh. Netflix was resurrecting shows, you kind of hadn't. I think that only this and Friday Night Lights had one or two, a one season shot on a Direct TV right. exclusive channel. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, and it had one one more season that I would guess most of its fans did not see. Yeah. Fortunately, there are some freaks out there who love the show, and no one is policing it on YouTube. It is all there. Ooh. It is all there, and I did not want to scrub through it finding clips because it is hysterical. Everything, every single second is exactly mm-hmm. what you think it is. Mm-hmm. The most dramatic thing you've ever seen. But Passions is over. And after after this, I think NBC is pretty much all Olympics all the time. There's no streaming option. So like even through yeah. next week is going to be all Olympics. Uh, but that is it for the television. Games this week, Fire, App, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon hits the Nintendo DS. Hannah Montana Spotlight World Tour hits the PS2. I think it's a Wii port. Uh, Tales of Asperia uh, hits Xbox 360. I know a pretty revered version of the Tales series. It is not only the 10th mainline entry of the Tales series, but it was just announced that this year's E3, it will receive a 10th anniversary definitive edition on current-gen platforms. So, delight, Tales fans. And uh, last but not least, Braid. Jonathan Blow's Braid, uh, a seminal work in terms of independent games. Microsoft put its weight behind these new independent Xbox Live Arcade games, these $20 or less independently developed video games and wanted to give them a showcase, a bigger showcase to the rest of the world. And this was part of the summer arcade program and probably the most notable entry braid the game with a bunch of meta commentary on gaming itself character motivation what was the play like it just feels really familiar to me braid yeah like i've read about it or i watched someone play it really unique art style you probably did there was some some time bending elements uh to it and and these notes from like i think his girlfriend i'm like why are you yeah why are you even doing all this yeah 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 (laughs) i remember reading about this super up its own ass it comes off very pretentious now but like it was at the time though perfect in 08 uh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I've I mean, seen a lot of criticism of Jonathan Blow, but it's not like a thing a bunch of people were doing uh, at the time. But and it was very pretty, right? Yeah, it was very, it was very yeah, pretty. It I remember very watching someone play it. Like, unique, Oof. like kind of classical art style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all HD optimized. And I look, I'll say this in the defense of the game: I'm, I don't love it, and I never finished it because I thought it was went on a little too long for my taste. But this is the kind of game that'll inspire people to make games, and that's really cool. And that concludes. The gams of this week. Um, just so you know, folks, over on patreon.com slash laser time, we have a new wrap up show every single month for our patrons. The people who support us at the $5 level, you'll get that over 100 movie commentaries featuring all of us. 
Uh, everything we've ever done in terms of commentary, video commentaries, exclusive videos, podcasts. Every single week we have an episode of Bonus Time. But we wanted to celebrate your, um, your comments on the show. And one of the ones Sarah had pointed out to me, because I can't believe this slipped my mind because I really should have got it. Uh, what's his name? Sebastian, Moran- Mor- Sebastian Moreno pointed out in last week's episode, The Hamster Song. And he's like, mm-hmm. uh, that hamster song, Disney sued the ever-loving crap out of the people who made that song because technically that song is a sped-up version of the theme music from Robin Hood. Disney what? now owns the hamster song. And I'm like, how did I not get that? That it's, Yeah, when I read that, I was like, the that is such a cool fact to know now. I love that. I don't know if it's a sped-up version of that Fucking attractive roosters uh, song. I Let's mean, be honest. Every yeah, <laughs> every Robin every... Hood had some real awakenings for people of my generation. Yes, I think. he did. <laughs> Ooh, the lally. Uh, but yeah, it's a better version of that song. But also, I wanted to highlight uh, J.R. Rawls, who like he's really come to bat with like really cool feedback mm-hmm. on everything we've done, and we'll, we'll definitely got a lot more from you over on our bonus show, J.R. But I love what he pointed about Kokomo just last week. Uh, Kokomo is probably the only thing from cocktail that has lasted, as you can still hear it on many a cruise ship. Uh, and you know, it is not often that artists have top 100 songs separated by 20 years or more. Uh, but it does happen, and it's interesting to see how one of the Beach Boys' biggest hits wasn't really a Beach Boys song. The band had been broken up for years when Kokomo had been performed. Uh, Dennis Wilson, the drummer, had drowned five years earlier. Uh, the emotionally fragile Brian Wilson was in a band with this uh, therapist, caretaker, abuser, Dr. Eugene Landy. It's like pretty much just Mike Love, if you're lucky, John Stamos, Mm -hmm. and a bunch of studio (laughs) musicians. Uh, The Beach Boys had been recruited to record Kokomo at a time when they paid the bills by doing oldie gigs at state fairs and amusement parks and a cover of Wipeout with the Fat Boys. Mm. The Beach Boys took the job, uh, but the actual composition was done by the Mamas and the Papas co-founder John Phillips. Of California Dreamin' and Monday Monday fame. Kokomo being a hit allowed them to to release Still Cruisin', a Beach Boys album that went platinum. (laughs) With uh, that late in life success, uh, would all the members of the Beach Boys realize the joys of having a drama-free, sunny relationship with each other? Spoiler alerts, they would not. (laughs) I believe just as of two years ago, they reunited, and then Mike Love fired everybody, including Brian Wilson. (laughs) Wow. And I just saw Brian Wilson live in, in California, and it's him doing all the Beach Boys song, including Pet Sounds, like wall to wall, with Al Jardine. Oh. So like <laughs> the Beach Boys surviving members who matter mm-hmm. doing all Beach Boys songs. Mm-hmm. And they're still they still weren't the Beach Boys. There's another Beach Boys band touring. It's crazy. That's so crazy. <sighs> uh, look yeah. forward to all those comments and more. Uh, uh, you know, with that comment saying that Kokomo is the only lasting thing from cocktail, mm-hmm. uh, we have another comment in the comments show that will prove that is wrong. Ooh, okay, fantastic. Ooh, Ooh teaser. Yeah, remember to give us you can give us feedback on the Laser Time Facebook community on underneath every single article where each podcast lives forever. It's nice to have them there, all organized. I know people don't like to go to websites anymore. I'm just mm-hmm. saying. <laughs> and uh, there's the Twitter thirty twenty thirty twenty ten podcast, uh, the numbers and the word podcast, right, Ty? Yep. And uh, yeah, with that, we have to get into the deaths real fast. Yep. Births and deaths times. 2008, that's when we lost Bernie Mac. He was only Fuck 50. Me. Fuck you, sarcoidosis. Wow. What? I can't believe it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it's oh, such a, in all his posthumous movies, no, they were pretty bad. Yeah. Was it was Bad Santa posthumous for him? I, don't, I can't remember. No. But I know Old Dogs was. Yeah. And I feel like they yeah. left this pointless scene in the movie that's one of the stupidest things in one of the stupidest movies I've ever loved. Uh, Bernie Mac plays a real-life puppeteer who puppets Robin Williams 
Yeah, with a video game control. It's fucking crazy. I, I, yeah. Old Dogs requires he's like got, its own podcast. Uh, he's got three posthumous releases, including Soul Men, star- co-starring Isaac Hayes, who will die the next day. Right. Oh. And Sam Jackson. I think like half the cast is dead. Yeah. Everybody die. <laughs> um, it sucks. But uh, any more deaths dying? That's it. That's all we got this week. So I must say, with the deaths... Rise from your grave. <laughs> Let's begin oh, with the births. The birth oh, baby. Okay, this week's birthday quiz. Uh, born August 9th, 1968. Turning 50, looking foxy. So almost the weed number. Almost the weed number. Mm-hmm. Next year, man. That's going to be all classic <laughs> corners. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, she was born in Chicago, but raised in England and America. Mm. Worked on stage in New York before getting a guest shot on a short-lived Fox show called Class of 96, which was actually in 93. I remember that stupid show. It was one of the first hour dramas from Fox. But it, uh, yep. <laughs> um, and it died pretty fast, but it brought her to the attention of the network. And after a lot of fighting over whether or not she had enough sex appeal, they cast her on a new show. Is it uh, Calista Flockhart? Nope. Uh, her character has a scientific effect named for her because she inspired girls to get into both science and law enforcement. Not the Streisand effect. That's oh, something different. Is it Gillian Anderson? Yay! Yay! God damn it! Damn it. No one's taken from Did me. I say that right? Is it Gillian? I, I think it's Gillian. I believe Anderson. it is Gillian. Gillian Anderson. Um, I'm always yeah. a little off. <laughs> Gillian Jacobs keeps the, the hard right, G. That's right. You know what the weirdest thing was? Besides finding out the Scully effect, which I think is really cool, that is to find cool. out, like, no one, she does not have a natural accent. Her accent changes based on where she is or who she's talking to. She oh. is equally American and British. She's it's like really Christian weird. Bale. What is the Scully effect? I don't think I know what that is. The Scully effect was seeing uh, a positive portrayal of a woman who is both a scientist and a law enforcement agent made like lots of kids who were little girls in the 90s want to go into those fields. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah. remember that the next time a woman arrests me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> a lady you, scientist. Jillian Anderson. <laughs> Uh, citizens arrest from a scientist. Uh, freeing lab rats. Uh, but Jesus Christ, that that about does it for our show this week. Got to tell you, this show was executive produced by Daniel Bugger. I hope I'm saying your name right. Uh, and many other fine folks over at patreon.com slash laser time. They're what keep the laser time afloat, keep us with equipment and hosting and making it all happen for us. We do appreciate that. And uh, as we said a billion times in the show, we will have a 302010 bonus show just for you guys this week, as long as you support at the $5 level. The price of a cup of coffee will get you a bunch of exclusive commentaries, free podcasts, uh, ad-free, and it'll help It'll help you boys and girls survive. Thank you. And Di, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at LeCineNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D. And also in charge of the at 302010 podcast, 302010 podcast, where I'll be teasing what's coming next week. Next week is going to be another supersized crazy episode. Oh, it's bananas. We have the most controversial film of 1988. Yep. With the worst film of 1988. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, I always say no looking ahead, but uh, I guess you ladies have already done that. Uh, now I'm excited. I, I like to do a little bit of teasing. People, you know, can start start watching <laughs> movies ahead. We've got, it's a lot of, I've been rewatching so many things and watching stuff for the first time and mm. uh, setting my cheating boyfriend's car on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. So we're going to close out uh, with a song from 2008. Is this a brand, like the first new Huey Lewis in the News song in years? 
No, they've been putting out music and stuff, but like I was I looking through the, the soundtrack for Pineapple Express. Like, oh, there's going to be something good in there. And they've got, mm-hmm. you know, Electric Avenue and they got lots of fun songs. And then I saw, no, over the credits, they got Huey Lewis the News to do a whole song for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so, Why didn't anyone pay attention? I was so pleasantly surprised by that. This last watch, I was like, wait a minute. It's like, this sounds a lot like Huey Lewis, but mm-hmm. it can't be. And then I waited like throughout the entire credits just to check it. Damn, good Sorry, on sir, you're just too old. Can't do it. All right, back <laughs> to the future reference. No one. You'll get it later. 302010, lasertimepodcast.com, patreon.com slash lasertime. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. It's not your fault, and it's not mine. I was just in the wrong place in time. Now there's trouble. Oh, yeah, trouble.